This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. And we are live. Welcome to a new episode of Justin and Donald Save America. As always, I'm Donald. Got Justin right above me. We're going to be talking about uh, this new executive order from President Joe Biden ordering a uh, basically a what a study into a digital currency, a new uh, digital currency for the United States. So we're going to be talking about that and, uh, you know, some of our theories that surround it. Uh, I'll elaborate more. But before I do. I just want to put that call out there uh, to for all of you people that are listening to this, that are watching this, to help us out. You could just do some simple things, very easy, uh, cost you absolutely nothing. Just hit the like button on this, on this video, share this content, subscribe if you're not a subscriber yet. Even leaving a comment is something that you can do that helps break through these big tech algorithms that prevent more people from seeing our type of content. Um, so, Justin. Hold on, wait a second. I want to go one step further. Uh-oh. If you are not subscribed to this channel, either on YouTube or on one of the variety of places that you can get this podcast, because it's everywhere. It's on Apple. It's on uh, Apple. You know, it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those things. If you don't subscribe to us somewhere, you're yeah. dead to me. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah, dead. It- you're dead to me, and you're a, basically a communist that loves socialism. <laughs> And you're basically a supporter of the Great Reset, too. And you basically love digital currency yeah. and want Joe Biden to run your life. And yeah, you're, you're probably on Klaus Schwab's Christmas mailing list. I think if, we need to. St- <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, I think if, we need to start shaming people. <laughs> into yeah, if, if we're if we're over here trying to save America and you're not helping, then <laughs> what does right. that make you? Lot ma- mathematics tells us <laughs> it makes you anti-American. That's right. That's what it makes you. So that's right. That's right. I don't make up mathematics. That's the rule. Not up to me. <laughs> uh, so this is going to be a kind of an interesting episode. I'm just going to warn everybody right off the bat. And uh, even our detractors, even those that are big uh, Klaus Schwab supporters, that uh, there's going to be a lot of facts in this. We're going to go over some some absolute truth here. But then I think we're going to really descend into theory territory speculation and theory territory, which is where I personally thrive. So I'm looking forward to it. But, uh, you know, when we're tossing certain theories around uh, in the second half of this video, I don't want people to start trying to label this as some misinformation because I'm warning you right up front, pure speculation for a lot of this stuff. So yeah. uh, all you, know, you social media fact checkers, just <laughs> yeah. take just take a seat on this one. All right. This, this isn't about facts. OK, yeah. this is we are engaging in. We don't know what exactly is going on here. We do know some facts, but we don't know all the facts. We're okay with that. We're trying to figure out what's going to happen. Exactly. It's it's so, you know, no unnecessary labels or things like that, please. Yeah. Well, since when did theories become some type of like evil thing? You know, people can't only, theorize about stuff. What what's what's going on here? Only you know, with, when it doesn't fit with a certain agenda. I, I Otherwise, guess Otherwise, so. you can theorize away. <laughs> I, totally when fine. we when we originally started, uh, this is just a peek behind the curtains. When we originally started looking into the Great Reset, we had nothing but theories. And then we found out some of those theories weren't the case. And some of those theories were exactly the case. And we pursued those things. And we found facts and all of that stuff. So a lot of I, it, it's... It, a theory is just the uh, the equivalent of a hypothesis, right? Yeah. So we're going to develop first... hypotheses and see which ones pan out and which ones don't. I, I think I think the the word that you're looking for to describe the process is called learning. <laughs> it's called yes. learning. Yeah. It's called learning new information. Right. This is how it happens when yeah. we don't already know something to be 100% true. We got to figure it out. We got to right. wrestle with it. We learn it. That's how it that's yeah, apparently some people don't like it when you learn things, I guess. And, I don't know. And earlier in the day, we were talking about this thing, this uh, this uh, executive order from Joe Biden that he signed in, you know, whatever that that was. Justin will explain it. But we ended yeah. up talking about this earlier in the day and we started theorizing about why are they pursuing this? You know, why is this so important? And uh, we stopped in the middle of that conversation. We're like, you know what? We should just do a Justin and Donald Save America on this. We'll just save the rest of our talk 
for this episode. So that's the context of this. So why don't you set it up, Justin? What is this executive order? And uh, basically, why did it sound an alarm for, for you and me? Okay, so in earlier in March um, of 2022, this year, the Biden administration released an executive order that had mostly to do with cryptocurrencies and digital assets, okay? That's what the focus of it was leading up to the executive order. And largely after the executive order has come out, that's where most of the media coverage, not all of it, but that's where most of the media coverage has been focused. It's been on the parts dealing with cryptocurrencies. So there's a really big, passionate cryptocurrency movement out there. People who love Bitcoin and Ethereum and, you know, Dogecoin and whatever, right? We got to right. talk about Dogecoin, Shiba Inu, all the, <laughs> yeah. all the great coins. Okay? I, I'm, the, I'm the biggest uh, holder of Trump coin, by the way. I so. know <laughs> you're not. I know uh, for a fact you're not actually. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, th that was the main focus. It was about regulating cryptocurrencies. At least that's how people thought it was going to turn out. And that's understandable. That's a big issue. That's really important. Lots of people have talked about that already. Uh, we might do something on that at some point later in the future on cryptocurrency. We can talk about all this. But for the purposes of this, we're going to avoid that conversation. All you need to know is that the executive order essentially says that the Biden administration wants federal agencies to start figuring out how they're going to regulate certain aspects of the cryptocurrency market. So your Bitcoins and all that stuff, right? Okay. Um, so moving on from that in the, the other big part of this, that is not getting as much attention, but I think is just as important, perhaps actually more important. I think it's much more important. And I don't think it's a coincidence that these two things were lumped in together, by the way, which will make more sense later, uh, is that the Biden administration is directing, um, various departments in the federal government and the, uh, federal reserve, the central bank for the United States to produce a report about the development of a central bank digital currency, a digital dollar, okay? A CBDC is how you'll often see it, central bank digital currency. Now, what is a central bank digital currency? This is a new currency. It's a totally new currency. It is uh, not cash, although you'll be able to exchange your cash for this central bank digital currency, we think. But it's not cash. It's a new currency. So for the first time in at least a half century, depending on how you want to measure it, uh, about a half century, we have a totally new currency. That's if you think taking uh, us off the gold standard officially is the time when we had a new currency. If you want to go back to the 1930s and the creation of the Federal Reserve System, it's like 100 years almost since sure. we've had a new currency, right? So this is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Whole new currency. The whole thing is going to be digital. You're not going to have any physical dollars with this new currency. It's all going to be digital currency. Um, now, what this executive order says is that they need to develop a report that talks about the benefits and the potential risks associated with this. The problem with that is we've already had that report. That report's been done. It's been done a bunch of different times. The Federal Reserve produced a report on that very topic in January of this year. So we don't need another report on that. The next thing it does, which really gives away that this isn't really about a report and studying and thinking hard about whether we should do this or not, is that it directs the uh, attorney general to work with the Treasury Department and the chairman of the Fed, I think I'm getting those three right, to produce a, 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 a report that says whether we need legislation to enact a CBDC, a new currency, within six months. And the same time as the other report's supposed to come out. And then if we do need new legislation to produce a currency to one month after that, so seven months from the time this report comes out, so October of 2022, to produce uh, legislation that can be proposed in Congress to create a new currency. All this happening within seven months. Mm -hmm. Now, this is super important because a digital currency is... Uh, potentially programmable. It's not just that it would exist online and so therefore you'd be able to trade it more easily and all of this other stuff. Well, it's potentially programmable currency. Yeah, well, here, let, let's let's take one step back from that because uh, I, I will get into that and, and the programmability stuff because that is... 
lunacy uh, territory when we get into that. But um, one thing that that I want to say is when we were doing the work on the Great Reset and we were working with Glenn Beck and everything on the Great Reset book, uh, this concept of a digital currency was discussed. And back then, and this is not that long ago, um, especially for me, it almost seemed like a digital currency, one of these central central bank backed digital currencies and the concept of cryptocurrency were interchangeable. That's the kind of what I don't know, I was led to believe by the stuff that I was reading. But it became very apparent in just the last few months, maybe even weeks, that there is a huge difference between a uh, cryptocurrency and a central bank banked uh, central bank backed digital currency. And one of the biggest things that uh, uh, one of the biggest distinctions between the two is how much manipulation um, you can have in one of these currencies. Because one of the big selling points of cryptocurrency, whether it's Bitcoin or you know, you name it, is that they're they're decentralized and you can't manipulate them. And it's it's all just like, you know, uh, supply and demand causing the prices to increase and decrease and all of those things. But generally speaking, once it is released, that's it. That's the currency. And you could see why that wouldn't be advantageous for a country uh, to pursue because, you know, you can't manipulate it. You can't just print more in, uh, in certain cases. All these things is regulated by blockchain technology. So you could see how like the Federal Reserve, which has gotten a very bad habit of just printing more money, might actually find themselves boxed in by a cryptocurrency. That is not the case with a digital currency. In fact, a digital right. currency would allow more flexibility and more potential for manipulation than the currency that we currently have. So that's a, a big distinction that I want to make right up front with this conversation. Right. And that, and that is a great point. Theoretically, it is possible to have a central bank-backed cryptocurrency. You could have that. But... That's not what's happening here. That's not what that might is. actually be a good thing. That would <laughs> that'd be the closest be, to getting back on the gold standard that you could ever would, dream of. It's actually, it, yeah, it actually is the more realistic scenario to get back to something like the gold standard. The gold standard is never going to happen again, but th right. that this might like, theoretically you could switch to that. So yes, that's exactly right. Uh, a digital currency it can be controlled. It can be manipulated. It can be designed. It is not necessarily blockchain technology. In this case, it's not going to be blockchain technology. We know that because in the various reports that the Federal Reserve has put out and the various statements put out by the White House and others, it's obvious that it's not going to be blockchain technology. There's no discussion of it being based on blockchain. And the things that they want to do with it, some of the benefits of doing this in their uh, opinion, can only happen with something that is not on blockchain technology. So for example, one of the things, one of the reasons, because you might be asking, well, why do we even need this? Why right. are they, why do we even need this? Well, they would argue the reason why we need to have this is a couple of reasons. Both are ludicrous. The first is, not the rapper, just in general. The first is that we need to make sure that we can track payments more easily because of terrorism, Okay. So we've got this huge terrorism problem. We've got this huge organized crime problem. I'm not saying those aren't problems. Obviously, they are They are problems that exist in the world. But the vast majority of people... And so having a digital currency allows them to track those things because they can tell information about every single digital dollar being spent. They can see where it's been spent. They can see by whom. They can see for what purpose they can track it. They can actually trace your money, all of your money. And because there's no print version of it, there's no escaping that. If right. they have a digital currency, then they can track it and trace it and block it from doing things and stop terrorists from the last second from giving money to other terrorists for terrorist activities. Now, the thing is, most people aren't terrorists and most people aren't <laughs> in organized crime. So do we need to throw out the entire currency to have this? No. How do I know that? Because we haven't done that, despite the fact that we've had terrorists for a long time, right? And organized crime for a long time. We've never done this. Right. So, and again, you could, you, so why do we even need it for that reason? I think it's ridiculous, but that's one of the reasons that they say. The other thing they say is that there's three, I guess. 
The other thing they say is it's good for cross-border payments. It makes cross-border payments faster. It's going to make all of our payments, not just cross-border, but also inside the United States. All of our payments are going to be faster because it's all going to be done digitally. See, so you don't actually have to have banks trading money and all of this. Now, theoretically, it, it, yes, I'm, well, not theoretically, it would be faster. But it, it, who is looking at the current financial system and saying, you know, payments are too slow. <laughs> who? Who are these people? Almost no one. Maybe there's some big, you know, investors or something in certain situations where they got to wait for money to clear or whatever. Then the vast majority of situations in people's day-to-day -day lives, everything is happening essentially instantaneously. Right. So there is no reason to worry about speeding things up. Like that's not a problem. And and the, the most of the money that we spend on a day-to-day -day basis all happens digitally anyway. They happen on our, our debit cards and our credit cards, and they happen between different banks. We're not actually going out and taking cashing checks anymore. Like people don't pay for things with checks in person. They might their rent or something, but not most day-to-day -day transactions. So again, why do we need this to happen instantaneously? Why does this have to happen in this way? It's not really necessary. Nobody thinks so, right? So that's the other thing. And then the third reason was... It was the terrorism, the speed, and what was the other one? Like in inequity or in inequality or something? Yeah, that's right. Access to banking. That was the one. There's all these unbanked people, they say. And by having a digital currency, we can cut down on banking fees and all this other stuff so that people can have banks. The problem is the unbanking problem is really a very, 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 very tiny problem. There's very few people in this country who are unbanked. And surveys show that about half of the people who are unbanked don't want to be banked. They're openly saying, I don't want a bank account. Stop. Stop <laughs> sending me the flyers in the mail. I don't want a bank account. They, they don't like the idea of having their money in a bank for whatever reason. That's their business, not mine. So none of these reasons make any sense, but these are the things that they're telling us is the reason. Yeah. So let happening. me just, let me just kind of recap uh, uh, what we've presented here so far. So uh, there has been talk about a, a central bank uh, backed digital currency for, for a while now. And they always have these uh, reasonings behind them that Justin just went over the, the terrorism thing, the payment systems, the access to banking, right? These are all the things, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, even if you did acknowledge that, oh, yeah, there's a problem with that. We, we need to solve that. Does it necessarily justify the uh, this executive order where it's like we need six months to, to, to 180 days to look into this and to have a, a, a legislation proposed? And then like one month after that, like we need a bill on my desk type of a thing. Like, have you ever seen the government work that fast about anything? No. And like, especially not on something that's, as not important as these three items, yeah. you know, and I don't want to seem like callous towards, you know, anyone that's suffered through any of these things or whatever, but like, you know, this is the same administration that says that the world's going to end in 10 years because of climate change. And it's like, do you see them uh, being super active about trying to get stuff passed in regards to that I mean, as quickly I mean, as this? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, there's certain things, but even the things that they've tried to pass are not things that would actually stop all fossil fuel emissions within seven months or no. whatever. Right. Like they're not, no one is, they are treating this as though this is an incredibly important issue for them. Yes. Incredibly important. And that was actually something that I wanted to, to, to bring up. Well, that was one um, of the biggest red flags. That's what, that's what really put this on our radar. If this was just some like, Oh yeah, we should, you know, get some people together to look into this or whatever, you know, no time frame. And it's like, yeah. fine. We would just probably ignore this, you know, or at right. least put it as a footnote for some larger thing later. But this, because it had that, we're like, should look into this. <laughs> yes, exactly. In fact, the, the, on numerous occasions, they've said things like, for, for example, this came from a, a, a press sort of Q&A background thing that happened between the White House and reporters. Everybody involved is unnamed in the transcript, believe it or not. But the senior administration official, that's how this person is being called in the press transcript, said uh, that the first thing to note from the executive order is we're placing the highest urgency, the highest urgency on the effort to assess the potential benefits and the risks of a digital dollar on payment systems, on financial stability, on national security, on the implications for human rights, and on financial inclusion. The highest, the highest urgency. urgency. 
Yeah. Do they know that we're on the verge of World War III right now? <laughs> yeah. Maybe and, that should be the highest urgency. <laughs> right. It's like you've got climate change is going to murder us all, and then you have a handful of people can't have access to a checking account. Yeah. Like, are and those on the same the, ballpark? <laughs> this is the highest urgency. The highest urgency. Yeah, right. So, like, think about that. That is a really strange, strange thing to say. Um, the other thing that stood out beyond just that this is a bizarre, why are we rushing this thing? I mean, I, I don't understand that still, is there's all this language in the various press reports in the fact sheet which you have on you've got pulled up right here if you're watching us on on youtube or rumble or something you'll be able to see the the uh from whitehouse.gov you can find this the it's a fact sheet on the executive order on digital assets and at one point in the fact sheet it starts talking about some of the the things that are uh, some of the reasons they're doing this and some of the benefits of it and everything else and uh, you know they they say things like uh, they use the word placing urgency on research and development of a potential USDC. Uh, it should be deemed, uh, we should study whether this is in the national interest, whether this is something we have to do right away. Um, it, it, it calls for a whole bunch of reports and government agencies, a laundry list of agencies that have tasks that they have to do assigned to this again, all of which have to be done within the next six to seven months. Um, and in the fact sheet itself, it uses words like financial inclusion, and it talks about how they're working with stakeholders, um, stakeholders like, uh, let me pull up the transcript because he actually mentioned some of the stakeholders that they're working with. Um, but it's it's people who, what do they have to do with, <laughs> with any of this stuff? It says here, uh, this is again from that senior administration official. So this isn't the fact sheet, this is the Q&A session. It says here, that the executive order also places the highest urgency on research and potential development of a U.S. digital, uh, U.S. central bank digital currency. We'll continue to partner with all stakeholders in the de design and development of this, including industry, labor, meaning unions, consumer, and environmental groups, international allies, and partners. Oh, that's bizarre. Why are we talking about inclusion? Why are we talking about equity, which is another word they use elsewhere? Why are we talking about environmental groups? Why are we having unions? Why are all these people involved in the design of a currency? Shouldn't this be a really straightforward thing? <laughs> like, we've had currency for thousands of years. Uh, <laughs> it's not that hard to do. I don't really understand why we need to be consulting environmental groups and yeah. labor unions when we're designing our currency, unless... You're trying to design the currency. You're trying to program it because it's digital. So you can program it to do certain things in particular situations and to restrict perhaps certain behaviors and to encourage other behaviors and to do all of this really creepy stuff that I think this digital currency is going to be designed to do. Right. Now, I don't know how else you can interpret all of the language that we just talked about, inclusiveness and equity and... Uh, 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 you know, having environmental groups and labor, you, I can't come up with another explanation for why you would do that because it should just be economists uh, so, and currency experts. Why would we be doing it any other way? Tech people. But for some reason, we're talking to all these other people too. And I think that's because they're planning on designing it uh, and programming it to be a certain way. Yeah, so we're straying into uh, our speculation and and theories. I'm not going to say conspiracy theories. Our theory section. But I do want to get to one other item. And this is something that I found and, then, and sent to you a little bit ago. But this gets into the concept of the programmability of currency. So this is a, uh, a Telegraph article from June of last year. And, uh, you know, this is something that's been kicking around in different central banks uh, in different countries across the world. I think China was like the kind of the first one to kick this concept off. And a lot of other central banks are kind of following suit or at least testing the waters, uh, just like this executive order is suggesting that we do. But anyways, this article is titled uh, Bank of England tells ministers to intervene on digital currency programming. So it says the Bank of England has called ministers to decide whether a central bank digital currency should be programmable, ultimately giving the issuer control over how it is spent by the recipient. Tom Mutton, the director of the Bank of England, said during a conference on Monday 
that programming could wait a minute, be a... Wait a minute. His name is Tom Mutton? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Tom Okay. Mutton. <laughs> That's the most English name I've ever heard in my life. All right. right. Tom Mutton. Tommy. All right. What does Tom, he got to say? Tom Chops Mutton <laughs> yeah. uh, said during a conference on Monday that programming could become a key feature of any future central bank digital currency in which the money would be programmed to be released only when something happened. So this is a, also a concept called like uh, smart contracts that you'll see in some cryptocurrencies or whatever. He said, you could introduce programmability. What happens if one of the participants in a transaction puts a restriction on future use of money? Quote, there could be some socially beneficial outcomes from that, preventing activity, which is seen to be socially harmful in some ways. But at the same time, it could be a restriction on people's freedom. So there's a couple of other quotes in here that I'll find when Justin starts talking, but this just introduces the concept of restricting how a currency can be used, especially if it's seen as being, what was it, socially, uh, uh, you know, socially harmful beneficial. in some socially way. Socially harmful or beneficial. Right? Yeah, so you could theoretically restrict a currency from being spent on something that could be seen as socially harmful. This is a thing that, like, I don't think that there's any cryptocurrencies that have anything like this built into it. This is like purely a, uh, you know, uh, a monster created within this central bank backed digital currency concept. Right. Right. Now, this is this is something that comes from England. Right. So this isn't applying to what we're talking about with the central bank digital currency. But the reason why we're bringing it up is because. This concept of programmability is something that the central banks in a bunch of different places, England, the United States and elsewhere, they've been talking about this for a while and coming up with ideas and sharing ideas and going to conferences and talking about how they want to structure this if they're going to do it. We already know that there are central bank digital currencies already out there that have programmability attached to it that, that are tightly controlled. Uh, China is the biggest one. China has a, a digital yuan. They've got a, they're, they're working. They've been working on that for a long time. They've been developing that. And that is going to be programmable. They're going to use it to help control society. And so the same thing is being discussed here in this article where they're yeah. talking about the possibility of this happening in England. And we think that the Biden administration is going to do the same kind of stuff here based on all, or at least they well, have the potential to do it. They have the right. We don't have the actual bill yet, so we don't know what restrictions will. Uh, the bill is not going to say, "Oh, we're going to restrict freedom." Like it's not yeah. going to say that. What it's going to do is it's going to give the Fed or some agency the ability to control the programmability of it or yeah, to draft the rules for it or whatever. And we think that's going to happen based on all the things that we told you about before and other stuff that we'll get to a little bit later. A, a digital currency could make payments faster, cheaper and safer, but it also opens up new technological possibilities, including programming, effectively allowing a party in a transaction such as the state or an employer to control how the money is spent by the recipient it says uh um, where does it say you could think of smart contracts in a way of uh in which money would be programmed to be released only if something happened uh you could think of giving your children pocket money but programming the money so that it couldn't be used for sweets now of course that's like the most like tame version of how this uh you know currency could be manipulated in some way but like you could just imagine especially in the wake of all the coronavirus stuff and all the the relief money that's been doled out where it's if this money is coming from the government then maybe it should only be able to be spent on food and maybe it's only spent on food that's approved by whatever government agency is giving this money out so you know, just just those examples alone should allow your mind to just uh, run wild when it comes to the potential that this power could have. Yeah, like you could effectively like, you know, this is this is slippery slope type stuff. And maybe we're getting more into speculation territory here. But, you know, if, if somebody is getting all of their money from like the government and the government says like, oh, yeah, you could spend this on food, but you can't, you know, can't buy a gun with it. <laughs> you know, you you can't right. uh, you can't uh, subscribe to some uh, a channel that that spreads misinformation, you know, or any any number of things. The power of this is basically unlimited. 
it's basically unlimited because see right now they don't really have control over that because there's always the possibility that a person goes to the bank, gets cash out of the bank and then just pays in cash. And there's really no good way of, of tracing what that money is being spent on because they know that they don't really go out of their way to figure out what people are spending their money on. Even though banks actually know they have that information when you use your debit card or your credit card, they know what you're spending your money on, but they don't report that to the government unless you're on the terrorist watch list or there's a subpoena or something like well, that. Hey, wait, here's another example. This thing just happened in Canada with the whole like uh, freedom convoy. If people yep. donated money towards some GoFundMe that the, was trying to sponsor this thing or what, whatever, they had their like accounts shut down. So yep. it's like if you think that they wouldn't do something like they're already doing it. <laughs> this just sure. gives them ultimate control and ability yeah. to do it at like a granular level. Right, right. And it just makes perfect sense, as you said, right? Like, I, I mean, the left, the left especially has always wanted to control you know, people's behavior, they do it in a variety of different ways. And, and, you know, you brought up the sweets example, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they have, why do they make sugar taxes? Why do they put taxes on soda and stuff like that? Why have they done things like that in the past in various places? Why do they have a plastic bag bans and plastic bag taxes? For the greater good so that you don't get unhealthy. Sure. Right. Sure. So wouldn't it be better, though, if they could just instead of having to put a tax on uh, sugary drinks so that you don't buy it, they just say you can't buy it, right. you know, with with central bank digital currency, we're not going to let you buy it or you can buy it, but it will cost you if you're paying with central bank digital currency, which eventually we think will be the only currency available, by the way, at first it's. I don't think it's going to, it's not going to start that way, but I think eventually it will move into, that's the only thing available someday. Well, then it's going to cost you 20 cents more to, you know, buy a soda as opposed to getting a healthier option. Uh, And they can do it on a, on a product by product level. A programmed in surcharge based on your, uh, uh, probably straining the government supplied healthcare system more than your your neighbor or something like that they'll have yeah. endless amounts of justification a- endless endless amounts of it and and i and i know that's somewhat speculative but it's not really because they do it for all these other things already so all this is is just a tool for them to do the things like you said that they've already been trying to do it's just this is a this is the most powerful tool for them to control behavior that they've ever had potentially the other important thing to keep in mind about it is that a digital currency, because it isn't on blockchain, it's it is by definition, it is centralized. It's going to be you could control it through some sort of central apparatus, of the course. Fed or whatever. Of course. So what that means is they could change the rules as they go. So it, it's unlike Bitcoin, where once Bitcoin exists, it's got certain you know things attached to it on how it can be mined and what how much exists and everything else. And you can't really change it after the fact. You can create a different thing, but you can't change Bitcoin really. Well, in the same way that you, in the opposite way, you with a central bank digital currency that's just digital, that is not on blockchain, they can change it whenever they want. So theoretically, they could... Uh, wake up one day and say, like, because of COVID, the COVID happens. They could wake up one day and say, you know what? Infl- or right now, inflation is out of control uh, and gas prices are driving inflation partially. So uh, we're only going to limit the, we're going to, we're only going to allow people to spend X amount of money on gas or, or you can buy as much gas as you want, but we're only going to let you buy it at a certain price that we've decided that you can buy it at. Right. And it's like it's they could do price controls for literally everything by just uh, saying to the people spending the money, you can only pay X, Y, Z amount for whatever product or service that they want. So, I mean, they can make that rule on a whim in an emergency. Right. They would have the ability to do this potentially. Right. Um, or they could give you bonuses for, say, shopping at, I don't know, uh, something with a businesses. high ESG score, something with a high ESG <laughs> score or uh, buying from a solar company instead of buying from a natural gas company or whatever they want to do. They, the rules are potentially endless. And because it's centralized, 
they would have the ability to change the rules as they go. So really, whatever the rules are on XYZ day don't really matter. The next day they could be changed. Now they could write the law in Congress that creates this because it will probably, almost certainly will need a law to do this. They could write the law so that there's all these safeguards and mechanisms for stopping it or whatever. But I don't think for a second that that's what they want to do because how are they going to have all this equity and inclusion and why are the environmental groups involved and all this other stuff unless they're planning on making it programmable and having the ability to adapt with that. Now, theoretically, yeah, they could lock it in and make it so that, you know, this is it and you takes a whole new law to change all this. But even then, even then, which I think is unlikely then it takes a new law, but a new law could be passed. And then all of a sudden your dollars are, you can only do things in a different way uh, or certain way. They could change the rules as they go is the point. Whereas with cash, they really can't change the rules. It it is what they can create new currency. Right. You know, they can destroy the value of your dollar in various ways, but the rules are the rules and they are what they are and they can't really control it. It's decentralized. And to some extent it's decentralized in the same way that, Well, in a different way, but blockchain also very decentralized. This is the opposite of all of that. It is trying to have more control because of all these wonderful benefits to it. Right. The currency that we currently have in our wallet is is a just a, a dead unit of value that could be traded for whatever you want. Whereas this has this built in uh, potential for them to program it on a whim. So it's it's two totally different things. That's why we talked about this being, you know, they they talk about this as oh, it's just a digital version of the dollar. No, this is a different currency. Right. So that's like one thing that you have to you can't uh, uh, allow that one to pass when this is uh, brought up in the mainstream when they're talking about this. Right. This isn't Pro- just some. This isn't just some. Uh, you know, different version of whatever. No, no, no. This is an overhaul. This is a complete yeah. different currency. Without without a doubt, it's a complete different currency, and it's it, and as you said, it's it's digital. It's centrally controlled. It can be changed at any time. The rules could vary, and, and who knows what sort of crisis could happen in the future that would justify changing the rules to make all of that stuff is what's making us very concerned. And it's especially troubling given everything that's happened with COVID, given the language they're already using, where they're saying openly, we're talking to all these advocacy groups and unions and all these other people to help us design it. And we're talking to environmental groups and it's going to be inclusive and it's going to have equity and it's going to be so great and wonderful. And we're going to be able to track it, which is great because then we could stop terrorism. And it's like, okay, well, all of that means that you're going to make it traceable that you're going to be able to know exactly what I'm doing with the money at all times, that you're going to be able to program it, that you're going to be able to uh, manipulate it on a whim because even with equity, equity changes over time, right? So you got to be able to change the currency to help improve equity. It's a shifting goalpost all the time. So we know that this is what they want to do because that's what it's so obvious from all the language they're using. But then this I thought was amazing. So again, if you're watching on YouTube or rumble and you really should be, this is a, uh, a an incredible, incredible thing. There was this article that I stumbled upon. It's actually not an art. It's just really a summary of a Q&A session that happened between a Fed economist. Um, let me make sure I get his name right here. It's David Andalfato. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. Andalfato, <laughs> uh, who is the a senior vice president and economist at the St. Louis Fed's research division. Okay, so he works for the Fed. All right. He is labeled in this as the resident digital currency expert. He's having a Q&A with people in the public talking about the possibility of a central bank digital currency. Now, remember, this is a year ago. Uh, so this is uh, roughly a year ago. So this is, uh, we don't have a proposal for this yet at this point in time, formally being put together by the Biden administration. All right, so this is just kind of all floating out there in the air and it's, it's not uh, co- as concrete as it is right now. And they have a bunch of questions that were asked to him. So if you scroll down in the thing on the video here, so we can see it, go all the way toward the bottom, uh, go up a little bit more, the last video right at the top there. Um, so there, the question was asked to him. This is the last question that appears on this page. And it's amazing. The question was asked to him, 
um, what is it? Can you assure us that these digital currencies won't ever be used to tell us when, how, or where our money can be spent? Now, this is talking about the Fed. He's asking the Fed digital resident digital currency expert, senior vice president at the Fed, about the central bank digital currency and this person, we don't know who this person is, just some person in the general public saying, can you assure us that these currencies won't ever be used to tell us when, how, or where our money can be spent? And before people ask, this question was not asked by Justin. It was this not was asked by me. coincidence. I literally just found this like yesterday night, okay? <laughs> so I had no idea that this was even in existence until today. And how does he answer this is the most incredible answer I've ever heard. This is a very straightforward question. Can you assure us this isn't going to, you're not going to use this money to control us? Can you assure us that? And his answer is I kid you not. In life, <laughs> it's great. In life, one can't give absolute assurances of anything. Of anything. But if I understand the question correctly, I think the questioner is concerned about the potential of privacy that would be associated say with a government sort of digital currency i love how he acts as though he doesn't know what the topic is in this q a <laughs> about this no he was very the questioner was very clear he or she very clear about what they want to know are you going to assure us that they won't be used to control the people and how they spend their money and what they can be spent on and when. Right. And he says in life, one can't give absolute assurances. And then later on, he says, this is an ongoing debate. Uh, this is an ongoing debate. We have all the time about how much privacy is desirable. Really? Are we always having this debate about whether or not we should have a central bank digital currency <laughs> that is controllable by nameless, faceless people at the fed? No. And then he goes, obviously, the United States, we value personal privacy a lot. Yep, that's why we're asking the question. And we let our representatives in Congress know that. And by and large, it's respected along many dimensions. Pfft, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I just many went to the dimensions. airport the other day, and I'm pretty sure that they are not. That's not one of the dimensions, of my Justin. Personal. Oh, okay. No, I'm sorry. Not one of them. Well, what about when they made me wear the mask on the plane the entire time? Or. How about the threats from the Biden administration to fire people who won't get vaccinated? Put that not put those dimensions, in their body. Justin, not, not those. those dimensions. Okay, <laughs> sorry, I'm confused. Apparently, so. But he says there's a tr but there's a bit of a trade off here as well because we don't know, for example, what sort of entities might make use of these central bank digital currencies for nefarious purposes, say to finance terrorist activities. Right. So. We don't know. We can't have it too private. That's what he's suggesting. Because if it's really <laughs> private, then terrorists will co-opt it and they'll use it. So we can't have that. We might want the government to monitor certain types of transactions as well. And we see this in the anti-money laundering laws and the know your customer laws. That's what KYC means. So there's a trade-off. One can't give assurances. We're back to that. But I think we can be assured of, but what we can be assured of is that Congress will respond to the electorate's concerns. And this is kind oh, yeah. of the best we can hope for. That's <laughs> kind <laughs> of the best that we can hope oh, for. Oh, great. So great. wait, let's, let's remind us all. The question was, can you assure <laughs> us that these digital currencies won't ever be used to tell us when, how, or where our money can be spent? Is there one word of this? that addresses that specific question the, the closest... other than other than that last sentence well you know congress might respond to the concerns maybe i don't know the closest <laughs> he gets to actually directly answering the question is in life <laughs> one can't give absolute assurances of anything and what is a, a question and what is control what, and is, what is absolute yeah what is tr objective truth like i mean <laughs> out here i mean this is insane yeah but his 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 avoidance of the question and it's funny because he's like if i'm if i'm understanding this correctly it's like you're either not understanding it correctly or you're intentionally not understanding it correctly but the fact that he completely avoids answering it should be another red flag to you you it know because it would have been very easy for him to just been like oh no no no, no. we have no interest in controlling how you spend your money you're a free person you should be able to spend your money on whatever you want nope 
when completely when you, void of that answer when you ask a person of power this direct of a question and they don't answer it directly even close to directly and they and they go out of their way to say i can't really promise you anything anyway that is an answer that is a real answer that tells you something about what they what and what is it see what would be controversial He's obviously trying to give an answer to avoid being controversial. That's clearly what he's trying to do. But if he just said, no, I, well, of course I can promise you. I assure you, the Fed will never use this to control you and neither will the federal government. They'll never tell you when or how you can spend your money. That'll never going to happen. We'll make sure of it. What would be controversial about that? nothing nothing that is an uncontroversial answer but instead he goes out of his way to avoid saying that and anything outside of that answer is controversial exactly (laughs) which is the point the fact that you won't say that answer is proof that you are at least at the bare minimum at least not sure whether that will happen right and so that's at the bare minimum you're not sure And on the far end of the spectrum, if you want to get really, well, you know, controversial, I guess, about it, he does know for sure that it's going to happen. And he doesn't want to get caught in a lie and say, oh, no, this is never going to happen. And then five years from now, it happens. And then all of a sudden, we're calling him up saying, what the heck? You promised us this wasn't going to happen. So (laughs) clearly, there's something going on here. It would have been amazing if the, can you assure us that these digital currencies won't ever be used to tell us when, how, or where our money can be spent? You're like, no, that's the whole point. What are you talking about? Right. I would have have at least respected that answer. Of course. Can you imagine? I mean, and this is the thing. That question is not just a, he's not dodging a, you know, I mean, that is an incredibly important question. This isn't trivial. What we're saying is, can you promise us that you're not going to take advantage of this technology to control whatever you want in my life. Are you going to promise that you're not going to try to control my life and potentially destroy my life if you don't like me or reward people that you do like or engage in any kind of weird, nefarious, big government activity? Can you just promise me you're not going to do that thing? And his answer is, "Mm, what is a promise? (laughs) I mean, that's essentially... What, what he's saying it's crazy if he asked if the question was can you assure me that you're not going to throw me and my family in a concentration camp and his answer was ah, there's no assurances about anything nowadays in life, in life who knows it's like if that was the answer what would you be thinking right. you would say Oh my God, this guy's going to lock me up. That's <laughs> right. what you be thinking. So that, this is the same thing. It's the uh, same thing. Justin, we're 47 minutes into this. Do we want to stray into the world reserve currency aspect of this? Because that is also pure speculation. Should we save that for a future? Thing? We should probably save it. Okay. We I will just kind of tease it out that, uh, you know, there has been a lot of... Um, concern as of late uh something that we have addressed in in previous works of the the idea of the the u.s dollar losing its world reserve currency status and all of the terrible implications that that would come along with uh ramifications that that would come along with and how this could be a kind of a backdoor way of getting out of some of the obligations that we are contractually obligated to fulfill through the u.s dollar um, but again, that's pure speculation realm. So maybe we'll save that for a future thing. It's also because we did talk about the timeline. So that one theory is why is this happening so fast? That's the sort of one of the reasons why we started thinking about this question. Why is this happening so fast? And our mm-hmm. two theories, and we will go, we will go into more detail on this in another video. Why is this happening so fast? Our two theories are one, the world's financial system is just falling apart right now. China is out of control. And so is this a way of getting out of those obligations? Just like what you alluded to before. The other possibility is seven months is the deadline. Seven months to create a legislative proposal for the White House. What is in seven months from the time of this executive order? April, May, June, July, August, September, October. October. What happens early November? I don't know. That's true. That's true. So within about a month, 
of this bill being put together, there's a really important thing that politicians care a lot about. Oh, election. That's, That's right. right. It's an election. And if you were going to try, I'm just saying, if we're just going to throw hypotheticals out there, if you had this really nefarious plan to put together this programmable currency that controls all aspects of our lives and does all the things the left has always wanted to do, but hasn't figured out a way to do it yet. And you had this great plan, but you were really afraid that you were going to lose all of your political power after this election. You, you might, might want to pass the bill before the next Congress takes yeah. over. So this timeline fits in really, really nice with that as well. Right. So I'm not sure if it's one or both or whatever. And there's a lot more we could get into with that. But it, it does, again, go back to what we said before. Highest urgency. Their words, not our words. This is their highest urgency to do this report and to put together this bill. Why? Why? Yeah. So, sound off. so important. Sound off in the comments. Let us know what you think about this. Uh, let us know other things that you've heard about this, because this is like, like, you know, like we said at the beginning of it, uh, you know, we've got plenty of theories and now it's about trying to find out what's true and what's not and, and, and dig down deeper and deeper into this, which surely we will be doing over the next several months. Um, but yeah, sound off in the comments. Let us know what you think about this. Justin, any kind of last words or anything you want to get off your chest before we sign off for the episode? Nope. All right. Fantastic. All right. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of Justin and Donald Save America. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, you can really help get this message out there, get these videos out there in front of more people just by hitting the like button, sharing this video, being a subscriber, even leaving a comment, all things that break through those big tech algorithms that prevent content like this from being put in front of more people. If you, uh, if you want to see more content, uh, you could always go to stoppingsocialism.com. You can find our different social medias, uh, whether it's Stopping Socialism, Stopping Socialism TV on Facebook. We also have an Instagram account. We have a Twitter account. We have pretty much everything if you look hard enough. Justin, where can the fine people find you? You can find me everywhere. Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I have an Instagram, believe it or not. I post mainly pictures of my dog. You can follow me there if you really want. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I parlor getter all of the all of the social media websites at Justin T Haskins. Fantastic! All right, thank you all for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.